0: everyone. Welcome to Time Change Sunday. You got that uh, joyful spirit on you. Uh, wide awake. I don't know why we t- change times. I mean, I know why they tell us we change times, but I don't know why we really do it. Um, hopefully, somebody at some point will figure out this is... I, I don't care which time frame we're on. Let's just stay on one. That's my... <laughs> So you're like, somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. By the time I get about halfway through this parable, you'll be like, I'm so glad he's preaching this parable and not me. Uh, It's one of the joys of preaching through a book, sometimes you find these challenging passages and say it's in the Bible, all God's word is powerful and effective, right? And so we're going to hopefully see how this parable today affects our lives, and I think it speaks really directly to us as 21st century Americans, um, because following up from last week, we are so inundated and so infected with money and greed and we it's one of the things that unifies us as Americans uh, believe it or not Uh, I mean really if you can find 60 percent of Americans who agree about anything it's unbelievable these days I mean just anything Uh, The American Psychological Association just released a report on Thursday talking about stress factors. Um, Of course, um, COVID, um, 70% of Americans, it's causing a high level of stress in their life over the last two years. It was two years ago this Sunday, actually, that Tom was here. It was the last Sunday we met for several months. Um, You know, on that Sunday, I was kind of Kidding around about some things I probably shouldn't be kidding around with about, and uh, because that's just who I am. Um, it's not good or bad. Okay, it's bad, but um, I was just kidding around, and I was joking uh, with, with Dave on Tuesday morning. I wonder who'll be the first person I know who gets this, and I didn't even know I had it then. Uh, by that afternoon I'd manifested so it's I'm coming up on my two-year COVID anniversary um, this Thursday I think at the 17th so anyway it's 70% of Americans are stressed and are stressed about the effect COVID has had on their children particularly um, the social psychological impact of classrooms and mass and not meeting and the fear that has been instilled in our children uh, 84% are now concerned about the war in Ukraine uh, spreading to um, greater Europe. Uh, we're praying for Moldova. Uh, I'm, many would say that after Ukraine, Moldova is next. Um, and they're right below Ukraine. Part of it, we've had close relationships there. It depends on which experts you read. But 87% of Americans agree. 87 87% of Americans agree that their greatest stress has to do with finances, money, rising prices, inflation. Again, funny, 87% of Americans agree about anything is unbelievable, it's a miracle. <laughs> but it's not because it's inundated in us. The whole concern about finances, I told you last week I quit looking at my 401k, I made a huge mistake, I looked at it this week. It's horrid, it's horrible. I can't retire until I'm 90 now. Um, So, sorry, you're stuck with me. They're wheeling me out here, you know, just keep keep going. Last week, we talked about the overwhelming aspect of greed in America. And I gave you some points, hopefully you remember, on overcoming greed, Uh, being thankful. Be thankful. It, it'll help you overcome greed. I'm just, I can't preach last week's sermon, too. I'm just summarizing because I'm going to give you some more of these today. Be content. Learn to be content. Most people have not learned to be content in any circumstance, much less all circumstances. Uh, we are pretty much discontent no matter what is going on around us. I mean, we could be at Disney World in the most joyful, expensive time, and be discontent. I mean, I, I told you when I took my kids to Disney World, as we were pulling the parking lot, I said, you will have a good time today. Uh, you will have fun. There will be no crying, no whining, no complaining. Um, we got to learn to be content in all circumstances. Be giving. We're going to talk about this a little more today, to be a giving people, to be self-controlled. Uh, We lack self-control as a a people. It's a a battle, and to be kingdom-minded. These are what I preached on last week. If you weren't here last week, you can go see last week's sermon. It's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, it's on our website, so go ahead. Oh, by the way, I just thought I'd tell you, the stupid video that we made on, uh, it's got almost 700 views. I don't know what that says about us or our society. That's like 10 times more than any view on anything we've ever published before. Yeah, thanks. Turn to Luke chapter 16, if you're not there already, and let's look at this parable about finances that Jesus tells his disciples. Jesus told his disciples... There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you you cannot be manager any longer. So get the picture. And by the way, this is a parable of Jesus. And I want to say straight up as we're going in, don't read into parables things that aren't there. Parables to me have a certain, um, they they have points and meanings and we can unpeel them a little bit, but if you keep unpeeling them to a certain point, they fall apart and we start making him say things that they don't, they don't say. Uh, By the way, I think about a third of the parables of Jesus have to do with money, have to do with finances. So our problem with money is not a new thing. But we just seem to be, we've excelled in our attitudes about money, so to speak. So this guy, this manager, is called in to his boss's office. He, he's a manager of his finances and says, basically, what's this I hear about you? Well, we don't have his response, what he says. And he says, give an account of your management, which you may have done, but he's basically getting fired. This is firing day. And get things in order before I release you. Now, remember, this is ancient times. It's got a whole different aspect of who you could fire and how you could fire him. And the whole job management. I mean, this manager, this was his life. This was his means. This is how he lived. And now he's getting, basically because of his mismanagement, he's getting let go. The manager said to himself, the guy getting fired says to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg. Those are I guess were his two options. Digging or begging. And n- neither of those seemed to appeal to him. In other words he's saying I'm too I'm too weak to do manual labor and I'm not going to go out on the streets and beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he's projecting. He's saying, I can't do this. I can't do that. So I'm going to plan now that when my job ends, people will welcome me in. Now, again, we don't have this hospitality Kind of mentality in our lives where we think okay if i can just get some people to welcome in they'll feed me they'll house me if in other words he's going to try and manipulate his way into making people owe him something so that when he comes they can't say no that's that's the bottom line you know manual labor i i'm totally for manual labor unless i'm the one having to do it um Thanks. I had my first manual labor job when uh, I was going to be a senior in high school. I worked for beacons, moving and storage. Now if you've never done uh, a moving job where you uh, moved people uh, in Miami, Florida in the summer, then on that second day of working for beacons and moving and storage, God called me to college on that day, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yes, Jesus, I hear that voice and I'm going to college. Because I knew I couldn't do this. The guys I worked with, they were probably 30 and they looked 80 to me. I mean, it had taken a toll. Working manual labor, moving company in the summer in Miami, it'll wear on you. This guy had enough self-awareness to say, I can't do manual labor, I can't dig, and I'm not gonna go on the streets and beg, so I'm gonna get some people to have to owe me something. Going on in the parable. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Do you get the picture? The guy says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work it where these people feel like they have to welcome him in the house. So he calls a guy in and says, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil. Okay, great, here's your bill. Write 400 and sign it. Keeps on. Then he asks the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it eight hundred. Now I think the other guy got a better deal. <laughs> In case you were looking at the passage, by the way. First guy, eight hundred gallons, make it four. This guy a thousand, make it eight. You might think, Well, this guy's going to jail. Instead, it says the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light now if i were you and this was me on this week i'm like all right where do we go with this what is this parable trying to teach us we've got this guy getting fired for being a bad manager now he's going from being probably a lazier bad manager to being a dishonest one so that he can obligate these people who he's giving a break to so that when he gets fired, he's going to get invited into their home so he doesn't have to beg or do manual labor. All right, praise God, let's go. There's got to be something here, right? Because all, the word of God is powerful, active. It's really not the parable. I think it's the teaching that follows that is the key for us today. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced of it. There are two prevailing opinions on this parable. The first is this: that the manager, remember, charging interest in this time frame was frowned upon. It, it was looked. It, it, Jews didn't charge interest to fellow Jews. It was. It was against the Bible, so to speak. Was, I mean, literally, it was, it was against Old Testament law. That, so instead, if a guy came to borrow, they just worked it into the price. They just said, I need to borrow money, okay? In exchange, I'll give you, when I pay you back, I'll pay you 1000 So the interest was worked into the price. And for some people, they felt like the manager's fee was already worked in. So what the guy is cutting, according to some, is his own fee. He's saying, I'm going to take my cut out and you're going to just owe the master. That's one explanation that people give, which seems reasonable to me. Like this guy had this. But if so, would he have been called a dishonest manager? Possibly. And, and some others just say the point is not his falsification of the records. The point is what Jesus says about how this guy acts compared to how we view things. And that's kind of the take. I, honestly, I don't think it matters. Whichever of those two, falsification of records or he's cutting out his cut, it doesn't matter. What matters is what Jesus says in the verses that follow to compare who we are versus the way the world thinks. You with me so far? Because it has to do with how we handle resources, how we steward our life. The term stewardship relates to more than just money. It relates to our whole way of thinking. A steward, which this guy is, works for a master. He doesn't actually own anything. The master owns everything. He's just stewarding it. In other words, he's, he's taking care of it for however long he's taking care of it. And the idea for us is this. We are stewards. We have a Lord, a master. And so everything we have, listen to me, everything we have belongs to him. Now, we think of stewardship in the context of money. Okay, I want to handle my money. I'm going to talk about money today. But really, everything you have belongs to him. Your family, your kids, your lives, your breath, your words, your resources. Everything you have belongs to him. You are asking God, make me a faithful steward of all I have. It's not really mine. And we're gonna see that a little bit why it's not yours today. Uh, Okay, so here are the points that I think Jesus is trying to teach us in this comparison. First is be eternally minded. Now I I think Jesus, he outlined this for me um, in his teaching. This is not brilliant outlining exegesis. I think Jesus gives Three points exactly as he wants us to see him following. He says this, in the next verse, in his commentary on this, he says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. In other words, he's saying, take the resources you have and be eternally minded with them hello be eternally minded I'm gonna have to keep saying this I don't think we're awake yet be eternally minded Um, here's the idea everything you have when you die what goes with you and what stays here right what goes with you into heaven and what stays here and he's saying Eternally minded think what goes with you when you die rather than be so focused on what's gonna stay behind you know one of the ways the Bible talks about this is what is really real and, and, and I'm not talking about like this is the matrix or something I'm talking about what is really real from a biblical standpoint what is real is what is eternal There's a way of thinking about reality that goes beyond the stuff. You know, I said this last week, but, you know, when anything goes bad at our house or it breaks down or things go bad, uh, Kathy and I have this little saying, it's it's just all going to burn. It's all going to burn. Let's not get worked up about it. It's all going to burn anyway. For us, that's that idea that... There's going to come a time when all of this is just going to be gone. But what matters is our mindset on the eternal. And what do you take into eternity with you? I believe what you take into eternity with you is people. Be eternally minded. He says, I, I tell you, use worldly wealth to what? Now, some of us are thinking, oh, I want to gain friends for myself. No, 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 I don't think he's just saying... Get friends by buying them. He's saying, use your worldly wealth to bring people into God's kingdom. So when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And he's not talking about the neighbor's house. He's not talking about like what this guy did who was trying to owe him. So you you get the picture. The bad manager, what he's doing is he's cutting people's debt. So when he comes and knocks on the door, After he's lost his job, they'll say, oh man, this guy really took care of me. And now I'm going to have to ask him in. I'm going to ask him for dinner, let him stay a couple weeks, whatever. I'm going to take care of him because he cut my debt. Jesus is saying not to be evil, but he's saying, look how much thought this guy put into what's going to happen to him next but what's gonna happen to him next is gonna burn someday. It's not eternal. How much more should we be doing and investing and looking at how what we're doing has an eternal consequence? Do you ever wake up and think, okay, what I do today is gonna matter for eternity? I gotta confess, very seldom, but I think if I did, And if I do, which I've been trying to do this week, saying, what what am I doing right now that's going to matter for eternity? One of two things is going to happen. You're going to change your behavior or you're going to get incredibly depressed. You're going to say, this matters, or you're going to be like, nothing I do matters. I'm going to go with, I don't want to be depressed every day. I'm gonna figure out a way. This guy was shrewd enough, and that's really, I think, the point of this parable, is not be dishonest, be manipulative, um, take care of number one, but rather, if this guy is spending this much time, and this is the way the world thinks, how much more should we, who have eternity staring us in the face, be investing in the way we think and pray about eternity and taking people with us and the truth is we're more like this guy but we try not to be quite as bad what can I do to make it through the day what can I do to make sure my tomorrow is assured what can I do to make sure my retirement fund is healthy what can I even do to make sure my kids are in a safe place I mean we hear about this safe place thing all the time right we want fullness to be a safe place which I do I don't want it to be an unsafe place, but at the same time, I want us to be so focused on God's kingdom that we are progressing forward at all costs. Are we ready? All right. Paul says this, command them to do good. Who? Who is he commanding to do good? Those who have resources. I'm going to come back to the verses before this in just a minute on the third point. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves in their 401K. They will be able to retire in comfort. No, they'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. People, we need to refocus. This isn't life. I mean, yes, it is. But let's take hold of the life that is truly life. That is what is coming in the days ahead. So use your resources. If you're going to, as a good steward, think of how can I use resources to be eternally minded? What difference is it going to make in the kingdom of God? Again, I want to commend you. You're a very generous people. Really. Really. I mean, we put out a call to help with Moldova. We got thousands of dollars that came in, just like that. We give to the work of what that Tom is doing in India. Ninety-nine percent of you will never go to India. I mean, Tom would love for us to all go, uh, but wouldn't you love for us to all go to India? Okay, I may be speaking out of turn. like, no, no, no. I do not need these Americans coming messing up what God is doing. Um, <laughs> But most of us won't go to India. But if we use our resources as an investment in God's work, I, I, I think there are going to be people in heaven who we greet, who, who in some way, we're going to say thank you for investing in the work of the Lord. It mattered. It had an eternal consequence. Which would you rather have? Somebody that you meet in heaven because of the resources that you invested Or more ribs from chilies. I mean, really, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to make you think a little different. Second point. Be faithful. This is kind of a repeat of last week about faithfulness, but Jesus talks about this. He goes on in verses 10 through 12 in Luke and says this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. Again, here's where I'm saying he's not commending the guy who is dishonest. The parable is not about go, the ends justify the means, do whatever you have to take, be dishonest. He's not commending the dishonest guy. He's trying to say, look, with what you have, be faithful. Because if you're faithful with the little, you'll be entrusted with even, with even more. He goes on, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Oh my goodness, does that not pointedly hit you a little? Hey, if you haven't been trusted with even, that's how, that's how little... Jesus thinks about worldly wealth in perspective. He's saying, if you can't even be trusted with worldly wealth, well, for us, we're like, hey, that's important. That's a big deal how we ha-. Yes, but Jesus is saying in the overall context of eternity, it's not that big a deal. It's, it's really more of a measure of, of, of a sign of your faithfulness, what you do with just your piddly money compared to worldly wealth. Then he says, and if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? We need you to learn to be faithful. Everything you have, God has entrusted to your care. And I think there are eternal consequences and a faithfulness factor that means that if, if I can trust you with this little bit, I'll trust you with more. By the way, Liv, would you grab me a Kleenex, please, sweetheart? My lovely assistant. It has nothing to do with the sermon. It has to do with allergies. (laughs) By the way, where was I? Was that what I was saying? was by the way. (laughs) By the way, we think this faithful with little and trusted with more has to do with money right? That's what you've been taught. Maybe, hopefully not by me too much, but in the prosperity doctrine, is that not what we're told? Hey, be faithful with this little money, and God will give you more money. I don't think that's what this is saying. I think this is saying, hey, be faithful with the little money, and I'm going to entrust you with more kingdom stuff, bigger, eternal things. See, we, we it. okay, I'm going to, Be faithful with my money so I can get more money. Because I want more money, right? Hello, you're Americans. I know you do. Some of you think like, we all think like this in some sense. Okay, I'm going to be faithful with the little money I've got so I can get more money. But I think the picture is so much bigger than that. I'm going to be faithful with just money so that now I can be entrusted with kingdom stuff. Bigger, eternal things than just money maybe you don't see it like that but here's the point jesus is saying be faithful with whatever i've given you whatever god has entrusted to your care be faithful third point is this remain at all times in the mentality that i am a servant of god i am not the master i'm not in control i am a servant of god Again another i think cross the board infectious disease in America is not covid it's greed and control we love money because we want to be in control lord help me if anyone tells me what to do you know i okay i'm going to step out just a little bit throw things if you want to A lot of the stuff that we've experienced over the last two years has nothing to do with a virus and what will keep the virus from spreading or any of that. But it's like no one is going to tell me what to do. No one's going to tell me if I'm going to wear a mask. No one's going to tell me if I can't do this. No one's going to tell me if I can do that. No one's going to tell me what to do because I am the master of my soul. I am the person in control. We're infected with it. Now, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm saying examine your attitude and spirit. Because you're not a servant of the government, by the way. You're not a servant of health stuff. You're not a servant of me. You are a servant of God. But because you're a servant of God, you should be praying, God, what should I be doing? How should I be following you? How should I be... Because it's not about, please, it's not about whether you wear a mask or not to me. But you could wear a mask or not wear a mask and still be in sin. Because it's an issue of control. <clears throat> I know. You can talk to me about it later, but I'd rather you didn't. Um <clears throat> <laughs> what we need to examine our hearts to see are is this about a controlling spirit within us and again i think these two things have infected us all at some level as americans and probably just as people human beings because no one can serve two masters Either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's that passage again where I kept trying to lowercase the word money. But it wasn't in my Bible. It's, it's seen as a, there's a personification of money, an idolatry aspect of money. There's a, there's a controlling aspect of money. That's why Jesus talks about money or mammon or however you want to look at it resources. You can't serve both. We need to learn what it means to be a servant of God. There's a guy by the name of Billy, Bill Smith. He's got an initial E in the middle, but it's not Billy. It's Bill E. Smith. doesn't matter. And he wrote a book on as the stewards of God. And he talked about how when he was little, and this is an older book, so he was an old man when he wrote this older book, so he's talking about an earlier time when he was a little boy. I don't know the exact year, but it's in the early 1900s. And his father takes him to an afternoon business meeting at church. Now, Sunday afternoon business meeting at church. This is one of the reasons we don't have business meetings. This story right in and of itself. But about eight to ten men are joined, and it was a men-only kind of thing. Sorry, ladies. At that point, you know, only men could handle the money and do the resources and manage church affairs. So. And a little boy could come along. So, don't get me started. But anyway, there are eight to ten men in this little church trying to decide, and they're talking about whether they should bring a regular preacher in. In other words... They were having to kind of rotate the preaching duties in this little church, but they they had a brother in a, a pastor in a neighboring town who would come and preach, um, but it was going to cost them fifteen dollars a week to reimburse and to take care of this guy to come preach on a weekly basis. Well, just about the time that the motion was a going to get defeated because the little church didn't have fifteen dollars a week bill's dad says i'll give five dollars a week if you can come up with the other ten now bill he was an early teenager but he had enough realization he knew his dad only made twenty dollars a week come on people his dad only made twenty dollars a week and he's willing to give an extra five to bring in because and Bill sitting there thinking what is he doing I could have shoes that don't have holes in the soles of my shoes I could have clothes that fit I I, with this five dollars a week this is the things we could do what Bill said this did was his father gave the $5 a week. The preacher came in. It really, people got saved and things happened at the church that wouldn't have happened. But what it, Bill said it made him realize was this. Above all else, my dad loved the church. And it instilled in me a love for the people of God. He said his $5 a week investment, if it didn't change anybody else, it changed me. It changed my perspective on stuff and money and how we operate my dad who's now with the Lord praise the Lord he was a pastor when he came into the charismatic movement so to speak he was pastor of the First Baptist Church of Coral Springs Florida and I I don't mind naming names um it's where chris and wendy's parents and uh, where we all met was at first baptist church coral springs the church was it started booming it was really growing and um, what happened was they had started a building program that had raised somewhere in the neighborhood of three hundred thousand dollars to start this building program now this is in the early mid 80s, um, mid-80s sometime, because they had outgrown the little, you you had to see it. It was a tiny place, and they had outgrown it. So they'd raised like 300,000. Well, as my dad was coming into the charismatic gifts of the Spirit, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit-filled life as well as Baptist? Probably a third of the church left. A third left, which is, Not that highly unusual, but what is really unusual is what my dad did next. The people who left went and started a church in Coral Springs on the other side of the town. And after they started, my dad went to the financial secretary and said this, how much did the people who left here give to this building fund? And they figured it was in the $125,000 range of the 300, 125, this group of people who left. And my dad said, write them a check, give them all their money. Now, he didn't do it in bitterness. He did it because he was like, I'm not going to hold on and I'm not going to have anything held against. It's just money. I'm gonna move forward with a clear conscience with what God is doing here. God will fill in this gap because everybody else would have said, oh, you'll never get things done. You're giving over a third of the money away, maybe close to half of the money away to, and there's no obligation. They're the ones who left. This is how we would, they're the ones who left. What do we owe them? My dad, And I got to tell you, this has impacted my life. The way he handled the situation is to say, these people are not mine. They're yours. This money is not mine. It's yours. This church is not mine. It's yours. These kids are not mine. They're yours. This house is not mine. It's yours. Everything that I own. Is yours can I use it for your kingdom's sake to me this parable as difficult as it looks Jesus has given these three profound truths be eternally minded think for eternity be faithful with everything he's given you and remain his servant in all circumstances george buttrick uh, an author says this of all the masters the soul can choose there are last really only two god and money all choices however small however the alternative may be disguised are but variants of this choice paul in timothy says one last thing command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I'm not speaking here about, I'm not going back on what I said about going to Chili's and having ribs. I think God's given you stuff for your enjoyment. But your ultimate pleasure, your ultimate enjoyment is found where? It's found at the right hand of God the Father. In your presence there is Fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. Church, I want to encourage us in these days ahead to refocus our minds, our hearts, our souls on the things that really matter. Because what really matters is going to, we're going to take with us for eternity. Amen? So this morning, I'm just going to ask. And pray for you right now that God would show you areas of your life that you, have, that you are trying to either control or hang on to for your own. Or trying to say, I'll give God everything, but this little bit is mine. And rather say, God, it's all yours. Whether I realize it or not, it's all yours. Help me to just let go and give to you my past, my present, my future, everything, because it, you're, for some of you, you've already bowed your head, you're praying, you're moving on, but just listen one more thing. You're afraid to do it because you're thinking in your, the devil is already saying to you, if you let go of that, who's going to, who's going to take care of you? who's going to provide you need to manipulate things so that your future is assured and God is saying let it go because I've got immeasurably more than you can ask or even imagine waiting for you but I can't give it to you as long as you keep hanging on to this if we indeed believe that God is our provider then we don't say, I got to hold on to. Rather, I let go of and see the provision of the Lord in all areas of my life. Lord, I pray right now that we would walk in your ways. That, God, we would, we would be a people who just change our mindset, Lord. I, I pray for me right now. I want to be more eternally minded. I want to think of the future. I, I want to see eternal benefits and glory. And I, I want to, I want to, Lord, see what's used now for your future and kingdom's sake. Lord, I, I want to be a good steward. I want to be faithful with everything you've given me. Lord, please find me faithful. Lord, forgive me where. Instead of faithful, I become fretful. Instead of faithful, I become fearful. Instead, Lord, let me walk in your peace. Lord, we're servants. Take us and use us for your kingdom's sake. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we give ourselves to you in him, in you, we live, we move, we have our very being. The name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Here's all I want you to do. I want you to take the prayer card in front of you. Maybe you have a prayer